Good morning. Good morning. Boy, we're a chatty bunch this morning, aren't we? <laughs> Let's greet each other with this greeting that Christians have been using for a long time. The Lord be with you. Good. Pray with me, would you? Lord, we do thank you for this morning. We thank you for the rain, Father, that washes away the dryness, that, that replenishes the earth, Lord. We thank you for gathering us here this morning, for inviting us into your presence, Father. And we pray that, Lord, above all else, everything that is said and done in this place and outside of this place brings honor and glory to you and to you alone. We thank you, Lord, for your very many blessings, for this day, for these people, and we pray this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you're willing and able and would like to stand as we begin our worship in song. With this heart open wide from the depths from the heights I will bring the sacrifice with these hands lifted high hear my song hear my cry I will bring the sacrifice I will the sacrifice Lay me down I'm not my own I belong to you alone Lay me down Lay me down Oh And on my heart This much is true joy 
to say your will your way it will be my joy to say your will your way it will be my joy to say your will your way always it will be my joy to say your will your way it will be my joy to say your will your way it will be my joy to say your will Thank you. 
reaches to the heavens Your faithfulness stretches to the sky to read from the book of Isaiah, chapter 46, verses 8 through 10. God's speaking through uh, Isaiah here. He says, remember this. Keep it in mind. Take it to heart, you rebels. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, and what is still to come. You are not a God created by human hands. You are not a God dependent on any mortal man. You are not a God in need of anything we can give by your plan. That's just the way it is. You are not a God created by human hands. You are not a God dependent on any mortal man you are not a god in need of anything we can give by your plan it's just the way it is you are god alone from before time began you were on your throne you were god alone and right now in the good times and bad, you were on your throne. You were God alone. You're the only God in whose power none can contend. You're the only God in whose name and praise will never end. You're the only God in who's worthy of everything we can give. You are God. And that's just the way it is You were God alone From before time began You were on your throne You were God alone And right now In the good times and bad You are on your throne You were God alone You're unchanged Unshakable, you're unstoppable. Now that's what you are. Unchangeable, unshakable, unstoppable. Now that's what you are. You were God alone from before time began. You were on your throne. God alone and right now in the good times and bad you are on your throne you are God alone 
unchangeable, unshakable, unstoppable. That's what you are. Unchangeable, unshakable, unstoppable. That's what you are. You were God alone from before time began. You were on your throne. You are God alone. Right now, in the good times and bad, you are on your throne. You are God Dear Heavenly Father, you are the unchanging God. You are the God who is now and forever on the throne. And yet you came down to us. You became the Emmanuel. You did not leave us here to flounder without you, but filled the earth with your presence and filled us with your Holy Spirit. In the times where we feel lost, in times when we are alone, we are truly never alone. And your presence out of nowhere at the most desperate times rises within us. You give us strength. You show us the way to walk. You give us a plan and a mission. And even though you are the, the almighty God and the ruler of the universe, you've made a decision to build your kingdom through us, we frail humans. But you give us the strength. You look at us and you do not see our brokenness, but you fill us with your spirit and you see Christ in us. And Lord, I am so thankful for that today. I am so thankful for this church, for the mission that you have given us, for the love of these people that they share together. Lord, I pray that you open the eyes of our hearts today to listen to what Pastor Judy has to say. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit moves in this place, Lord. I pray that we, as people, as your people, today, we experience the Holy Spirit, that we run into the resurrected Jesus, that our hearts are changed, that we are strengthened, that we are sent out into the world from this place, ready, knowing that you walk with us, knowing that we have a kingdom to build, but knowing that you are there every moment giving us the strength, giving us the wisdom, and changing our hearts. So Lord, change us from the inside out today. I know that there's a great message coming our way that will fill us with joy. And so we wait and we expect and we know that something beautiful and wonderful is happening today. We do not take it for granted that we have this opportunity to be together. Many of our brothers and sisters throughout the world they do not. They cannot meet openly, and we can, Lord. So we thank you for that. Lord, we just pray today, once again, the eyes of our hearts be open. We thank you, Lord, and we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lord be with you. Take a moment and greet each other while uh, Pastor Judy comes and prepares to give the message. All right. Very, I love to hear you folks 
talking amongst yourselves and visiting and chatting. It's, it's music to my ears. It really is. Um, I want to say thank you to Miles and Scott and their friend Brian for sharing your talents this morning. I can't do what they do, and I'm so glad that they have the gifts and are willing to share them to do that. Um, we do have a couple of really quick announcements this morning. First, this coming Wednesday, how many of you know what's going on? <clears throat> a couple? Good, good. Wednesday night missionaries, that's right. We have a missionary couple, um, the Coles. It's Vital, or Vidal, Vital, and Maria, um, or Marie. They are missionaries from Sierra Leone in Africa to South Africa. So they stayed on the same continent, but they, they are missionaries there, and they are going to be joining us at 6 o'clock on Wednesday. So I encourage you to come and hear. I've not heard them yet, but rumor has it from around the area where they've been speaking that it's an excellent, an excellent presentation, and it's exciting to hear what they have to say. Um, the next thing is next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're going to be having breakfast between the services again. So if you come to first service, be prepared to stay for a little while. And the folks in second service, I'll let them know they need to come early. So, um, And then the last thing is on September 18th, so it's two weeks from today, is going to be our church's 22nd birthday party. Yay, I know. <laughs> so we'll have a cookout and a little bit of a party here, here on the grounds. So just be prepared for that two weeks from today. Now, if you're wanting to connect with the church, ask pastor a question, get us a prayer request, whatever it is, you can do that by dropping a green card in the box in the back with whatever information is that you want us to have or any questions. Or you can go to livinghope.info slash connect. Um, and if you are interested in giving to the work of Living Hope this morning through an offering, you can do that by putting it in an envelope that you find at the back of the, of the room and dropping it in that same box or going to livinghope.info slash, um, livinghope.info slash give. It's on the screens. But, um, and there's a few options there, a drop-down menu for where you'd like the money to be applied. <sighs> Phew. <laughs> so far, so good. <laughs> um, it seems like the last time I was with you in this capacity, like anything that could go wrong did, and this morning, it's all gone smoothly. So I'm just anticipating something, like honestly, like the microphone dying or, you know, getting hit by lightning and all the electricity going out. Anything could happen at this point. Katie's back there going, no, please. But <clears throat> I am very glad to be bringing the word to you this morning, to be sharing with you this morning. Um, I knew this was coming. This wasn't a surprise. And the Lord had really been talking to me for a long time about what he wanted me to share this morning. Um, and I have the privilege of doing this because Rich and Stacy are gone for the weekend. They have had the opportunity to take some much well-deserved, well-earned, time away uh, with the boys to just rest and relax over this holiday weekend. Now, in case you didn't know it, living in a cave or under a rock or something, this is Labor Day weekend, right? right? Tomorrow is actually Labor Day. And why do I even mention that? It's not like we have Labor Day hymns, right? Um, we don't. Um, but there's actually a reason for me to mention Labor Day, and I hope that it'll be clear by the time we're done this morning. So where did this idea of Labor Day even come from? 
Well, according to History.com, and thank you, Google, for this, I'll be honest, Labor Day pays tributes to the contributions and achievements of the American workers during the Industrial Revolution. So we're talking in the 1800s. <clears throat> Um, and it's traditionally been observed on the first Monday in September. It was created, and this is a very condensed version, super condensed. There's a, there was a lot. Anyway, it was created by the labor movement after several years of striking and rioting over pay, poor pay, um, working hours, long, long working hours, and con working conditions in the late 19th century. Became a federal holiday in 1894. Labor Day weekend symbolizes the end of summer for many of us in America, for us Americans, and we celebrate it usually with parties, maybe parades, athletic events, sales, mattress sales. <laughs> Why mattresses? I don't know, but, um, but you did, <laughs> and you probably didn't know you were coming to church for a history lesson today, did you? Right? Um, but the first Labor Day holiday, quote-unquote, was actually a demonstration march that happened in New York City, and then other cities later followed suit. And it really stemmed from the laborers being tired, tired of working so hard and being exploited by the companies they worked for. They wanted and needed, what they wanted and needed was time to rest whether it was by way of working less hours in a day or having at least one day off a week, the workers were literally dying for a lack of time to rest. Now, we've come a long way in our culture, right? Thanks to labor unions and labor laws and things like that, we're able to work, we're able to work long hours without a day off. But we aren't forced to do so. We do it by choice. And that's where overtime pay comes in, right? <laughs> um, we have the legal right to a certain amount of time away from work to rest and spend time with our families and friends and to participate in sports and in hobbies and, um, and, or just do nothing. Just go to the park or sit on our back porch and not do anything if we want. And our bodies, our bodies need this time to rest and recreate. God, who created us, knew that we were going to need this rest, didn't he? If we look at the creation account in Genesis, it's a familiar story for probably most of us in here. We read that after God created all the things, the light and the dark, the land and the water, the fish, the animals, the birds and plants, and even the humans, he rested. He kind of did a... Right? But did God need to rest? Mm, I'm going to say no. No, God didn't need to rest. I mean, he is God after all, right? He is all-powerful. So no, he didn't need to rest. But he knew we would. Before he gave Moses the commandments, and before the first few books of the Bible were written, God had preemptively set the standard for how we should work and rest. It's not until the Hebrew people leave Egypt, a place where they were worked to death by Pharaoh, that God gives them what we know as the Ten Commandments. And that fourth commandment says this, Remember, to observe the Sabbath by keeping it holy, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest, dedicated to the Lord your God. 
on that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them, but on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. This commandment was so important that it's the longest and most detailed commandment in the top ten list. Um, God was serious about this. He wasn't joking around. He meant it when he said no one was to work in the Hebrew household on the Sabbath. This command from God is echoed in other places. And while this isn't an exhaustive list by any means, here's a, let's look at a couple of them. In Exodus 23, 12, it says, You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but on the seventh day you must stop working. This gives your ox and your donkey a chance to rest. It also allows your slaves and the foreigners living among you to be refreshed. Leviticus 19.30, keep my Sabbath days of rest and show reverence towards my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Leviticus 23.3, you have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of complete rest, an official day for holy assembly. It is the Lord's Sabbath day and it must be observed wherever you live. Now, it can take me a little bit to catch on sometimes. I don't always pick up on hints all the time, but even I can see a pattern here, right? God is making it pretty clear that we are to make it a priority to take time to rest. And it's not just people God, it's not just people God commanded to rest. Animals were to rest on the Sabbath. They were to do no plowing, no carrying, no, no, nothing that would be considered a work for the animals. The owner had to feed and water their animals, but that was the extent of it. That was pretty much it. But God even went another step further, beyond the humans and beyond the animals, and he lays out a whole plan for a regular cycle of letting the land rest. In verses um, 1 through 7, of Leviticus 25, it says this, that while Moses was on Mount Sinai, the Lord said to him, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you have entered the land I am giving you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath rest before the Lord every seventh year. For six years you may plant your crops, plant your fields and prune your vineyards and harvest your crops. But during the seventh year, the land must have a Sabbath year of rest, complete rest. It is the Lord's Sabbath. Do not plant your fields or prune your vineyards during that year. And don't store away the crops that grow on their own or gather the grapes from your unpruned vines. The land must have a year of complete rest. You may eat whatever the land produces on its own during its Sabbath. This applies to you, your male and female servants, your hired workers, and the temporary residents who live with you. Your livestock and the wild animals in your land will also be allowed to eat what the land produces. Now, if it wasn't clear enough before, it seems really clear by this point in the Old Testament that the idea of rest is super important to God. So much so that he even tells his people to let the land rest. Imagine if our farmers did that today. 
all the farms across the whole United States for one whole year didn't plant or harvest. I think prices are high now. They could really get scary high if the, all the farmers decided not to plant for a whole year. Now you might be thinking, but that was the Old Testament. We don't live by the Old Testament law anymore, do we? We've heard about that very thing. And we've talked about the, the freedom from the law that we have. And because of Jesus' sacrificial death and resurrection, we don't have to live by that law. We don't have to be slaves to the law anymore. But if you were here with us a while back, um, I remember sharing, I don't exactly remember when, but that while we don't have to live by the law, the law is still good. And it's like a mirror that we can look into and we can see if we were reflecting Jesus, reflecting God in that mirror. It helps us to be able to look more and more like him and be more and more like him. And so with this idea of a reflection, the law being a reflection, with this idea in mind and knowing that this principle of rest is sprinkled into a number of places in the law, rest becomes something very different than just not doing work or just sleeping at night or taking a nap or taking a me day, right? And it's not unusual for us as Christians today to look at the Old Testament and think, well, that because of Jesus, it doesn't apply to our context. But let's explore something just a little bit this morning. In Matthew 18, 28 to 30, this is likely a familiar passage for us, but it reads like this. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. This passage, as I was studying for, for this morning, it occurred to me that it's more of an invitation as opposed to a law. That's the beauty of the, the, the change from the Old Testament to the New Testament, is instead of just being a law, it becomes an invitation. And yet the principle of it is still very valid. Only in this passage, it's an invitation not just to rest from labor or rest from work, but it's an invitation to rest in Jesus. It's not just about not doing any work or taking a break or taking a day, although that is part of it. It's an invitation to rest in the knowledge of God, that he can be trusted, that he can be relied upon. It's an assurance that when we come to Jesus with our burdens, whatever they may be, he will help carry them, giving us the opportunity to rest in him, giving us the chance to take a deep breath and right? It's a little bit like curling up in your mom or dad's lap when you were overwhelmed as a kid, feeling safe and calmed just by their presence. For me, it makes this kind of rest a holy thing, a holy place even. It becomes a way of worship to know that I can come to Jesus and find rest for sometimes my very weary soul. 
Another New Testament passage that speaks of rest can be found in Mark 6. In verse 31, we read, The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. Have you ever had a day like that? Get to the end of the day and think, did I even eat lunch? <sighs> hmm, I should probably have a snack. <laughs> At least that's what I think. I should probably have a snack. <laughs> but here we see Jesus using this principle that was given in the Old Testament regarding rest, but applying it to a situation that we're all too familiar with today right? Our busy lives of working and doing. The disciples, they had been sent out on ministry tours earlier in chapter 6. Now they all had returned and they had traveled long distances. They had worked hard to minister to people. They were dusty. They were dirty, probably a little smelly, and they were ready to rest, okay? And upon returning, Jesus saw that they needed to eat and rest, I don't know if you've seen this meme on Facebook. I know I've, I know I've shared it. But it goes something along the lines of never underestimate the spiritual value of a snack and a nap. Right? <laughs> I think this might be partially where that meme could have come from. But Jesus understood that his disciples needed to take a time out to rest and replenish. Now, if you read a little further, you'll find they never got the chance as people recognized them and began following them and a crowd gathered and they ended up feeding 5,000 plus people. But that doesn't mean that they still didn't need time to rest and revive. <clears throat> One of the things that I noticed in this passage in particular, though, is that Jesus didn't use this rest as a reward for being productive. Remember, the, the disciples had been out on mission when they got back, Jesus heard their reports. He heard all the exciting stories of all the things that they did, right? But he didn't ask how many people they had healed or how many became followers or how many demons they had cast out. He simply told them, now, come away and rest and eat. Now, I was raised by a baby boomer. If you don't know, well, we can talk later, but I was raised by a baby boomer, and for us that might be a little bit older here, myself included, it might have been the same for you. Mom and or dad would wake you up at the crack of dawn on a Saturday morning to get chores done. Now, if you lived on a farm, you didn't have a choice. The animals had to eat. There were things that had to happen, but I was a city kid. My mom still made me get up at the crack of dawn on a Saturday to get chores done. It's like, Mom, I've got all day but not according to her, right? There was no playing, there was no relaxing until the chores were all done. And that usually meant when your parents were done, not necessarily when you were done, right? But rest, relaxation, recreation, these were all used as rewards for hard work. Before you deserved to rest, first you had to be productive and accomplish a certain number of tasks. Resting before that was done was seen as being lazy. Now, I can't speak to anyone else, but that was my experience in my home and in the area, the context that I lived in. I can even remember once my grandma was visiting, which she was older than the baby boomers. I, can't, I don't know, I start at baby boomers and go forward from there. But she was visiting, and it was the summertime. Now, my mom was probably asleep because she worked midnights. 
And we had chores in the house. We split them up into four chores. There were four kids, so we had four different chores. We had the living room, the kitchen, the bathroom, and the laundry room. And so we would be responsible for one of those for one week at a time, and then we would rotate. So in one month, all of us would have to be responsible for all of those chores. Easy peasy, right? Well, I can remember this particular day when I had finished my chore. I wasn't responsible for anybody else's, for my siblings. I was only responsible for mine. And I was getting ready probably to go to the little beach that we had on the lake that was an old limestone quarry that had struck water. And they put a beach on it. I was going to the beach. And um, my grandma stopped me and said, you can't go yet. You've got, the, the, this isn't done yet, whatever the chore was that wasn't done. I said, I'm sure I was respectful. I'm sure I was, I hope. But in, in a way that only I can do, <laughs> I said, no, Grandma, that's not my chore. I did my chores. I'm going to go to the beach. Bye. <laughs> and I zoomed out the door and went to the beach. Um, <clears throat> and, and when my mom woke up, I'm sure my sibling got in trouble, and that was on them. That was not on me. But it's that mentality that was demonstrated that you don't get to relax and enjoy life until you have accomplished until it's finished, right? And it was this mindset that doing things that were good for our physical and mental health were used as rewards, rather than being regular practices that are as important as accomplishing the tasks that we're responsible for. And I'm going to be honest, I'm still unlearning this. <clears throat> it's likely a number of us here are. And as I've learned to see rest as holy, to see it as a gift from God or as an invitation from Jesus to lean into and rely on him for rest, I'm finding myself feeling less and less guilty for resting, for taking that time to rest. I'm still not very good at it. I'll be honest, full transparency, still not good at it. I'm learning. But at least I don't see myself as lazy when I do take the time. I'm learning to embrace this holy gift of rest that God has given us. It's almost as if God knew that we would fill all of our time with the stuff that we think we need to do or accomplish in order to feel worthy of what I have no idea, to feel fulfilled and included, and we would be so busy doing all the things and going all the places that we would forget to stop and spend time time focusing on God, time resting in Jesus, time replenishing our bodies, our hearts, our minds, and our souls. The beauty of the rest that we are invited by God into is that it's not just for the here and now, although I know I can use it. I need it in the here and now. When we are in Christ, following Jesus and learning to be more like him, we have the promise of an eternal rest. The author of the book of Hebrews talks about this in chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. Now, this is long. It's in your, your handout. It is long, I know, but hang in there while we read it, okay? God's promise of entering this rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news, that God has prepared this rest, has been announced to us just as it was to them. 
But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, in my anger I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. We know it is ready because of the place in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. But on the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter, but those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there's a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. The rest that the Hebrew writer is talking about here is a physical rest, but I don't think it's a huge leap to also see it as an eternal rest. The rest that we experience when, when in eternity when we follow God and we obey him in this life. We have the assurance of a special rest still waiting for the people of God. And what an amazing thing that God has gifted us with an invitation to rest in him in this life and in the next. This morning, I want to encourage you, every one of you, maybe even challenge you a little bit this morning to begin to discover what it means to rest in the Lord, to find rest for your souls. Does it mean maybe foregoing an activity that you really enjoy? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe it means giving yourself permission to rest before your to-do list is all checked off. <laughs> it might mean intentionally scheduling time to spend in communication with Jesus about the things that weigh you down and make your spirit weary and restless. Whatever it is you need to do to find rest, I urge you this morning to listen to the Holy Spirit and do whatever he tells you to do to find rest in him. Pray with me, would you? Father, I do thank you for the rest that you have invited us into. I thank you, Lord, that we don't have to be burdened by this life. Lord, that you have promised us that you will carry those burdens, that your yoke is easy, your burden is light. You will always walk alongside us and carry this for us, Father. I thank you, Lord, that you have set the standard for what it is that that for what it is to rest for what it is to to lean into you lord and find our calm assurance to find that place where we can just breathe i thank you father for the the places that we have that we can do that, Lord. And, and for those of us ha that haven't found that yet, I pray, Father, you would speak to each one, that we would be able to, in the next week, the next days and weeks, that we would find that place of rest for each and every one of us, 
that we would find that physical place, that, that spiritual place where we can lay down and lay our burdens on you and find rest for our souls and for our bodies. Lord, as we look to the table this morning, I want to thank you for your sacrificial death on the cross and your resurrection back to life so that we can have an eternity, an eternity of rest with you. I ask, Father, that you would bless the elements that we receive this morning, this bread and the cup, as we remember that sacrifice. Lord, I ask that you would have mercy on us because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of our sin and wash us clean from guilt. Purify us this morning, Lord, from sin, for we recognize our rebellion. Against you and you alone have we sinned. So purify us from our sins and we will be clean. Wash us and we will be whiter than snow. Create in each of us here this morning and a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within us. Pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. As the Svelbars and Brian come once again to lead us, you're invited to receive the elements of communion. I'll be at the front with the bread and juice. You can take a piece of bread and dip it into the cup. We have both um, regular bread and gluten-free wafers. If you're more comfortable, you can also take the prepackaged elements and receive them at your table. If you would prefer to not be in line with everyone, you're welcome to use the prepackaged elements that are at your table. So as the Svelbars lead, I invite you to come. God is my shepherd, won't be wanting. Follow me. 
follow me in the house of God forever. God is my shepherd, won't be wanting, won't be wanting. Makes me rest, feel the green, quiet streams. Even though I Thank you, Lord, for the time that you brought us together today. Thank you for your spirit here and for the message that you've given to all of us. I thank you, Father, that you are going to go with us this week as we go away from this place, out into the world, out into our homes, to our work, to our schools, to our communities, wherever we may find ourselves, Lord. We go with you. I thank you, I praise you, and give you all the glory, for you alone are worthy. Amen. And now, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen. Amen.